Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Well, it's the end of another summer. After many a summer dies the swan, children are back at school in most cases, summer's almost over, it really is over for most people, and I was thinking about the summer jobs I had as a young youngster, I mean, I'm working since I'm a kid, I've always loved working, I'm not one of those people who can sit and watch golf balls or tennis balls or whatever people do, God bless you if you love it, I always found work to be satisfying, but I was thinking about possible summer jobs that uh, the Dem candidates may have held in their life because none of them seem to have ever worked. So I thought about these summer jobs for Democrat candidates. Uh, Bernie Sanders probably delivered seltzer in Havana for the Castro brothers. And while he was in the hotels that they had seized from uh, the American companies that owned them, probably checking the pay phones for change and collecting soda cans for deposit. This man never had a summer job, lobbied and protested his parents for a higher allowance, saying they needed to elevate the poor and put money in his, <laughs> in his pocket. But what kind of summer job would Joe Biden have had, I'm wondering? Maybe a student in Ukraine, in the Ukrainian exchange program? Or could he have been a teen tooth whitening model? Could Joe Biden have been a sexual harassment counselor? It's hard to know. Cory Booker, when you think about him, must have had summer jobs maybe promoting illegal bare-knuckle fistfights in basements in New Jersey. Or Kristen Gillibrand, I imagine that uh, she would have volunteered her local food pantry. Marianne Williamson, the nut, the nut case, probably stood on sacred pebbles in a hot tub selling crystals. Or she could have been a tarot card reader at a local fair, palm reader at flea markets, you never know. Or Pete Budhead, probably a skate park attendant, so he looks like to me. What kind of summer job would Elizabeth Warren have had? Making dream catches for the tourists in Oklahoma, no doubt. 
or cashier at the National Museum of the American Indian, no doubt. Tulsi Gabbard, I would think maybe making lays at the airport. That's a nice job. Bill de Blasio, no doubt, uh, made mortadellas in a mortadella factory, I would guess. But that's a real job, so we have to scratch that one. Beto O'Rourke probably sold beets door-to-door down in Texas. Or he could have worked for a fence deconstruction firm. We don't know. Kristen Gillibrand, we covered her, didn't we? She sold cap guns door-to-door. Kamala Harris probably worked her way through Golden Gate Law School by you fill in the blank. Amy Klobuchar probably sold newspaper subscriptions for the Twin Cities Unrealistic. Andrew Yang, no doubt a math tutor. And then there's Julian Castro, another genius, probably as a summer job worked on the genealogy of the Communist Party USA, or who knows what else he did. Well, that's just a little light note, another summer coming to an end, thinking of the teen jobs I had, dishwasher, busboy, assistant lifeguard, bellhop. I loved every one of the jobs. I worked 12, 15, 16 hours a day, never hurt me. And now on to the news that I don't want to talk about. And there's a lot of news out there. A lot of news out there. And uh, here in San Francisco, it gets crazier by the second. They have banned plastic water bottles at the airport. But they dispense hypodermic needles for junkies to shoot up in kiosks. Isn't that interesting? How does that work? California bans plastic bottles at airport, but dispenses free hypo needles for junkies to shoot up. And while we're at it, why is the DNC chair, Tommy Perez, fundraising in Mexico? You can't put two and two together? Oh, guess not. Now, in San Francisco, a city I still love, despite the human feces and the human bums, the homeless statistics have gone through the ceiling. The city fathers and mothers who should be put in prison for what they've done, again, I say, We need an FBI task force to come in and take the city over from the gangsters who run it. The city fathers and mothers are blaming big business, but the residents who have to step in the feces and avoid the golf clubs blame the fools on the hill. It's a crazy city. One day you can see Ferraris uh, in one part of the city and uh, walk a few blocks south and see piles of human feces, puddles of urine. Vomit on the sidewalks. You can see the filthy bums in the streets. And they're not all victims. Please don't tell me that everyone... Now, don't get me wrong now. There are people who are homeless who are wonderful people who are working three jobs. But the majority of homeless in San Francisco are violent and dangerous and don't belong in the streets. They need to reopen the mental hospitals that uh, were closed officially by edict of Governor Brown's father, Governor Pat Brown, passed the law, Reagan came to office and had to close the mental hospitals. As a result, the streets are filled with dangerous mental cases. Now, there's an awful big hullaboo going on in the city right now because of what happened last week when a so-called homeless man, I call him a vagrant, I don't want to use the word homeless anymore, vagrants, was caught on camera attacking a 26-year-old woman outside her upscale condo complex. And as this violent vagrant threw Penny's Corsarian to the ground. He told he was saving her from robots and said he wanted to break into the building to kill the doorman, it was a doorwoman, to earn her trust. So this violent vagrant was arrested, pled not guilty of a false imprisonment charge, not guilty to two counts of battery and attempted robbery, 
instead of being put in jail, Superior Court psychotic judge Christine Van Aken released this vagrant over the objections of the DA's office. And it just came out yesterday that this very same man released by this psychopathic judge was arrested for an alleged assault that he had committed in February when he was armed with a knife and approached a woman or friends as they waited for a ride. He threatened to kill the woman and lunge at the group. This man is on the streets. He is not alone. But they have fudged the figures in San Francisco, and we've looked into it as to how many there really are. They changed the data so that people wouldn't actually know the numbers. I figured out what they were doing. I have the actual numbers, which I will give you a little later. There's another topic I'd like to discuss today, which is a very serious one, which is the New York Police Department's mental health emergency. Why are so many cops committing suicide in New York? If you are an officer, whether in New York or elsewhere, would you call the show and tell us what new pressures are on you? I can pretty much figure out why they're killing themselves in New York. That is because they've been completely stripped of dignity by the communist who runs the city. That bum, that mook, that rat, that useless rat bum, de Blasio, has so undermined the police in New York that the police feel worthless and powerless and one thing a cop needs is a sense of power to control the violent people in the streets. Remember that. In order for them to control the violent individuals in the streets who will hurt you, they need to be empowered by the administration. And instead, they're being undermined by de Blasio and his wonderful wife. And they're eating up the officer's self-respect. As a result, the officers are losing their will to live. Another topic, Omar and Tilab. Enemies within attack Israel, attack Trump, attack Netanyahu. And, of course, it's hard for me to believe that the Democrat Party has been taken over by these two hateful Muslims. But, you know, they have become the face of the Democrat Party. On one hand, it's disgusting to see in my lifetime, to see that fronts for the Palestine Liberation Organization, or however they have reemerged uh, in these days, is now operating inside our Congress. But the bigger issue is how is Nancy Pelosi, who was allegedly an iron-fisted woman, permitted these two haters to take over and become the face of the Democrat Party? Huh? How's that? I don't, I don't know how that happened. How did Pelosi lose control? It's another topic I want to talk about. The U.S. Navy said it, says it's ready for a mission in Venezuela. I don't like this. I don't like this at all. Now, if it's going to be a block or a quarantine of uh, the nation called Venezuela, and it helps, not hurts, okay, but it'll only hurt the people down there. How is it going to help the people to create a blockade of Venezuela? They're already starving. What sense does this make? It's stupid. It's just a show of force. It's idiotic. You're going to use our juggernauts out in the water to block food from going into medicine, and that's going to help the people in Venezuela? That's idiotic. <laughs> Meanwhile, talking about Venezuela, a Chicago teachers union group went to Venezuela and praised the communist, socialist gangster who runs the country as part of their propaganda tour. U.S. Steel plans to lay off hundreds of workers in Michigan. Not a very good sign at all. Very bad. U.S. Steel plans to lay off hundreds of workers in Michigan, and they said it was because of the tariffs on steel that have come back to us from China. 
The Obamas have um, produced a film. They've actually just purchased a film at a, um, I guess, one of the film festivals. And it charts the life in a U.S. factory under bosses from China, which I find to be very odd that the first film they would associate themselves with on Netflix, it was released on Netflix and in select theaters on August 21st, as the first offering from the Obama uh, factory, they didn't produce the film, but they acquired the film American Factory at January's Sundance Festival. And what it shows is the evils of Chinese nationals who run factories here in America, like slave labor camps. It's very interesting the Obamas would choose that. But then again, no one ever said that they were not smart. The phone number here is 855, I forget the number, 855-400-SAVAGE, 855-400-7282. If you care to comment on the, uh, the suicide issue for cops or any of the other topics I have raised, I invite your calls. There are other topics I'm going to get to. Who is dividing us by race? Is it Donald Trump? No. Who is it? It's the Democrats. It's the Democrats who are dividing us by race, isn't it? That's all they talk about. And why are they obsessed with race? I'll tell you more about it when I return right here on The Savage Nation. Savage. I got a headache. Turn this off. As it is, I have a migraine from the red wine last night, which I shouldn't drink in the summer to begin with. But I went to an Italian restaurant. Like It was freezing out here. You never saw a summer like this. When I, I sleep with pajamas on, six covers, there's a, a 3,000 feet of fog hanging over the San Francisco Bay Area. And you say, geez, that sounds great. It is. It's great to sleep in, but not to live in. I haven't had a summer. The summer's over, but it hasn't started for me. So as it is, I have a half a migraine. The right side of my head is out. But we're talking about a very serious number of topics, including the racism card, the Muslim haters, the enemy within how they got into control of Democrat Party is a miracle, is a mystery to me, given that Nancy Pelosi allegedly has an iron, an iron fist. These two now represent the Democrat Party. They are like Yasser Arafat's twin sisters running the Democrat Party. And, you know, here's the thing. They keep talking about racism, racism, racism. That's all they got, a one-card Monty here. They're gambling and banking on their guess that enough Americans are suicidal and self-hating to vote for them i don't think so i don't think so out of new outside of new york and san francisco and a few other stupid cities where the newspapers have brainwashed the idiots into submission most americans do not hate themselves most americans are not ashamed to be caucasian and most americans are not going to vote for two haters like this who represent the democrat party they are finished donald trump's greatest threat is himself He's got to stop tweeting. He's got to stop tweeting and withdraw into the presidency and stop it. His greatest enemy is himself. That's my opinion. But the cops, why are they killing so so many are killing themselves? What's going on? Daniel in New York, line four, thanks for calling on this very sensitive topic. What's your opinion? Good afternoon, Dr. Savage. I'm a 20-year veteran of the New York City Police Department, and I'm currently a supervisor. 
I totally agree that the uh, lack of support and undermining that's consistently facing officers each and every day by this wonderful mayor that we have, as long as well as the leadership that he's appointed and put in place, is creating such a stress and anxiety on officers that I witness every day myself. Well, okay, but wait, let, let me just go this sui- backwards. The suicide rate is very high amongst NYPD cops. My allegation is that because they've been stripped of self-respect and authority, cops live on authority. They, a cop, in order to take a job like that, and it doesn't pay very much, they're doing it for a number of reasons. Some are because they're altruists, they want to help control uh, the, the violent people out there. Some do it because they're on a power trip. But in either case, they need to have control to do the job, right? We agree on that so far. 100%. So... You strip a cop of his authority. What does he have left? He's not making much money. So what does he have left? Then you got the, the, the people up in Harlem, wherever, throwing water on them with impunity and uh, the mayor laughing at the cops when they try to arrest them. But why do they then go to the level of killing themselves? I, I would say that, unfortunately, um, because of the anxiety and the stress that these officers face, and now, again, it's not every single one of them, but it's a good number, they turn to things like uh, the Tylenol and Advil of today, the psychotropic drugs. Um, there's a huge spike uh, that I that I know from my uh, position. Okay, so the antidepressants and the others that are being dispensed, like M&Ms, do provoke suicide in people. I've known that for years. Violence and suicide are intimately connected to uh, the most dangerous category of drugs ever invented. Well, we've had nine suicides this calendar year of 2019 alone, so there, there has Daniel, to be something in Daniel, our military is facing a similar problem. They are dispensing psychotropic drugs to our troops in the same percentage as they are in police departments in major metro areas. And I have connected suicide and homicide to especially the SSRIs. It's a little-known fact that they're amongst the most dangerous of all categories of drugs. And you have to understand the, the biomechanics of it to understand what happens and why people then take these urges that we normally all have and repress or suppress and act on them. Sad story. Very sad story. Back in a minute. Savage. give you the call-in number again, 855-400-SAVAGE, 855-407-282. Although we're talking about uh, the topic, uh, the serious topic of uh, police suicides owing to the attacks by the media and attacks by the communists in these city governments against the police and stripping them of their authority and letting the animals of the streets make a mockery of them in front of the neighborhoods. There are other topics that I want to talk about today. Should... uh, the two Muslim haters, T-Lab and Omar, be censured. Of course they should be. In fact, they should be investigated for sedition, as far as I am concerned. But they're the face of the Democrat Party, which is actually a positive for us. Who do you blame for the homelessness or the vagrant issues in America? I know who I blame. Okay, I know who I blame. Do you fear war before the next election? Do you think Trump may cave to mustachio? and suddenly go to war with Venezuela, North Korea, Russia. You think that could happen? The Hawks are circling the president. His numbers show he may have some troubles. It's kind of split down the middle again, maybe a little bit more than that. 
And there's nothing like a good war to get someone elected. I'm sorry to be cynical, but I know history. It's worked for every president from the beginning of time and probably before the beginning of recorded history. When leaders get in trouble, they find a foreign enemy. I'm terrified that the war hawks are going to get control of him. Terrify. I hope that they don't because he's a man of peace, as a matter of fact. Again, let's talk about these topics that are out there. And uh, we got callers from around the nation. Let me go to my website for some of the other topics. Savage, what a bull feels before he's killed in a ring. Remember I recorded that in back in 2014, and I read it last week again, the, the tape. It was so popular and so heart-rendering that I thought maybe one man could make a difference. And I put it up for you to play and share as an MP3. You can share the, the, the download of what the poor animal feels as it's tortured to get to death by the Spaniards in their little uh, uh, ballerina costumes as they torment the poor animal. You have no idea what they do to animals. Uh, you know, I can go on and on about this for a long period of time, and I maybe at another time I will do it. But when we lose our compassion for other living things, we lose our compassion for other human beings. Gandhi said it. Other people have said it. Everybody knows this. And I don't know whether that explains the violence in America today. I think it's a combination of things, including the violence in the media, the medications from childhood, the lack of morality. There's no sense of morality. There's no value to human life, whether it be a fetus in a womb or an animal in a pound. People don't care about living things anymore. But there's an adage. In a world where there are no men, try to be a man, my son. I don't know if you ever heard that one. You could sit here and complain and wring your hands about everything in the world every day and say, what the hell am I supposed to do about it? The world's shot. That's one attitude, and I'm afraid many people have bought into that, and as a result, the world will get worse. But remember the adage I just told you. In a world where there are no men, strive to be a man, my son. You understand that one? It's a very important one. It looks like, you know, it's hopeless, but it really isn't hopeless. I, I know someone with a lot of money who won't give a dime even though he loves animals, he won't give much money to animal groups because he says it's, 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 uh, it's futile. They're all going to die. The earth is dying. I said, you're wrong. If it wasn't for conservationists from the beginning of recorded history and even before that, we'd have nothing left on the earth. If we had had the administration that we have now in the Interior Department and the EPA running the world from the beginning of recorded history, every body of water would be polluted. The land would be paved over like a parking lot. Do you understand the mentality? You don't want to hear it? Well, you're going to hear it. I don't care what you think of me. You better hear the truth. Because we only have one earth. It's one living entity called the earth, the planet. It's all we have. And you treat it like a toilet bowl, you're going to wind up living in a toilet bowl. We all learned that when we were very young. But apparently the people in high places uh, right now didn't learn any of this. I have no idea how they missed that lesson. That's such an important lesson. Now, you say, oh, I know you're a liberal communist, a socialist from California. You should really not feel those things. Kill those sea turtles. Crush the sea turtles. Kill the grizzlies. Kill the elephants. Poison the water if it's good for profits. That's what I say. I'm a real Republican. I'm a real man. Well, you're wrong. You're wrong about that. We had a call yesterday to the show, Special Forces in Africa. It was one of the proudest calls I had in a long time where he said that he was sent there to hunt down the Arab al-Shabib or al-Shabaab, whatever they're called, shish kebab, as far as I'm concerned, 
the shish kebab Arabs who are slaughtering animals in Africa to sell the tusks to buy weapons so they can blow people up in marketplaces. And our special forces are over there trying to kill them to stop them. Do you know that? That's the kind of work. that. So we have really strong men. But he called and he said, Michael Savage, I'm so happy to tell you I agree with you about your sentiments about animals. Now, here's a man of action, a warrior who doesn't mock those who want to save the sea turtles, doesn't mock those who understand what a cage-free egg is. He doesn't live in the past like, in the past like a, a smokestack throwback moron. That's the point I'm trying to make. Pardon me for getting worked up on something that's so important. But now we got cops killing themselves. They're like bulls in a ring. You know, you tie the two together. The cops in New York City are like bulls in a bull ring being stabbed by the picadors called the street creatures who pick on them, throw water on them, spit on them because they're running wild in the streets. There's anarchy as a result of the communist and his wife running the city. You hear this? Unbelievable to me. New York Police Department water dousing suspect shakes off taser to sprint away from arresting officers. Do you know how powerful some of these people are, these street thugs? He has th three cops who couldn't stop this guy, even though they tased him. It meant nothing. It didn't stop him at all. You know why? They can't use clubs. They certainly can't use guns anymore. So they use a taser, and it has no effect on this, this guy in the street. What chance would you have? Tell me what chance you would have. What chance did that girl have in the streets of San Francisco from that out-of-control, drugged-up bum? And yet you have judges who are on the side of the drugged-up bum, you know? There are other topics we could talk about. I mean, I don't know if I want to talk about them. There's so many, I mean, suicide's a terrible topic. Terrible topic. I don't know that I even want to talk about it. But uh, you want to talk about it, we can. Brian in the East Bay, line three. Go ahead, you're on the Savage Nation. What's your topic? Go ahead. Are you there? Okay. Is he there, Jim? That's your job to talk to them when I say you are. Oh, he's not listening. Okay, the guy's not there. He was calling to argue with me, but he wasn't there. That's what happens. Pennsylvania. Brent, line five. You're on the Savage Nation. What's on your topic? What's your topic tonight? I guess I'm off topic, but it's all these guys that are getting arrested for saying they want to shoot places up. It's kind of confusing to me. Is this not? Yeah, it's like a free speech. Now they're going to arrest you just for thinking about doing a crime. I'm wait, wait. I'm not. I'm not following you. Please explain what you're saying in a different way. The kids they're arresting for saying they're looking online to shoot places up, like the Jewish Center and all this. I agree, they should be locked up, but. Then what about free speech? I mean, can I not say I want to blow some shit up? No, you can't. No, you can't say you want to blow things up. You I'm can't. Saying, you guys have never committed a crime. They're going to have to release them. Oh, wait a minute. Let, let's back up here. Don't you think a civil society should have some limits on free speech? I'm torn on the issue. I'm, I'm All right. At least you're a thinking man. Well, we already have limits on free speech. Uh, there are limits that are on the books and limits that are off the books. There are limits uh, that are controlled by a thing called fighting words. If you go up to a man in the street and insult him because of his race or his size or call him ugly, he could punch you in the nose. That's called a fighting word, isn't it? Sure. Where I grew up in the Northeast, we used to say, I'm going to kill this guy. That didn't mean kill him. It meant we were going to whoop his ass or something. I mean, I see, I see we get arrested. For now, like, I understand what you're getting at. You're saying it's hyperbole, it's not real, right? Sure. 
No, I got it. Now, you see, that's why I was trying to be a little sensitive to your point. I didn't want to make it sound like you're a nut job. So you're concerned that they'll arrest too many people just for thinking things soon. Well, they're also picking up these child porn guys saying they found child porn on their computers. How did they find child porn on the computers? Are they searching our computers? The internet? Yes, yes they're, they're, they're police in every department around the country uh, looking for that. That is correct. And you don't think that should be done? I, I just think it's a fine line, and we're, we're messing with some fundamentals there. So you think child pornography should be permitted? No, of course not. I have six kids. I, it's, I, it's detestable. I can't stand it. But just well, for- the, the object here is if you arrest a man for watching child pornography, what you're doing is stopping the use of child pornography and hopefully saving a child from the clutches of some of these demons, right? We're arresting people before they commit a crime. Well, but downloading child pornography is committing a crime. It's illegal. All right. Well, I guess we have to think this through a little bit uh, longer. San Francisco, William Line 4, go ahead. You're on the Savage Nation. Again, the same guy's not there again. Call back and he's still not here. That's twice in a row. I, I go to the guy who's saying SSRIs are not bad for adults. And he's not there both times. He proves that SSRIs are very bad for adults who call talk shows. They don't even know that they're being called upon to explain that SSRIs are not bad for adults. It just shows you what you've got to deal with. It's lucky that I'm not suicidal uh, with what I put up with, the lack of respect I get from the callers. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't have that problem because I don't take SSRIs. I have, I have things I've got to deal with. I've got to deal with depression my whole life. But so what? You overcome it. And when I get really down, I create something. I, I don't want to suppress my emotions. I want to work my emotions, and I use my emotions. Look at the great art in the world. Do you think this was all created out of happiness? Do you understand what gener- what pushes artists? Do you understand what pushes an artist? Sometimes it's very despairing thoughts. Creates The man then goes into himself with a woman, and she creates or she performs in the most miraculously beautiful way. Why? To overcome the negative thoughts you keep suppressing these negative thoughts with pharmaceuticals and you have an america that we have today where there's very little creativity it's just junk and noise i'll be back in a minute savage new york wendy line seven thanks for calling what's your topic please hey there um, I just wanted to ask a question about um, drug use and, you know, murders or mass murders in the U.S. So my question is, why is it that these drugs are used in Europe, I'm sure, and we don't see the same level of mass murders or gun use well, now over there because you're, you're of drug use? You're asking a good use. question, but it's not what we're talking about. I am talking about uh, the use of psychotropic drugs like SSRIs. And suicides. I'm not talking about mass murders. You, you're changing it to mass murders. You're trying to get me to say it's the guns. Isn't that your object? My question. So let's not say. No, that. answer me. Isn't that your object? Say to get me violence. To say gu- there should be. The- aren't you getting? Aren't you trying to get me to say guns? No, I'm. As- I'm just asking you the question. That's all. What is the question? Why don't we see the same level of violence in Europe? If we're saying that these drugs are calling, causing violence in America, that's the only thing I'm asking. Oh, so let's sw- switch to the violence. It's, it's well known that many of the mass murderers were on psychotropic drugs. Do you admit that? 
I'm not a medical person, so I don't know. Well, I'm a statistician, and it is true. Almost every last one of them, including the most recent ones uh, that occurred, they were on drugs. In, the drugs were found in their systems. And I don't mean just marijuana, although that was found. It's a drug that induces a lot of violence in people. I'm talking about antidepressant drugs, which sometimes produce suicidal ideations and then suicide and or violence in people. Now, you're saying why then do we not see the same uh, results in Europe, correct? That's all I'm asking. Well, you know the, the answer to that question, but we're not Europe. They don't have the, they don't have the uh, First nor Second Amendment to protect them. We do. Okay. So I'm not willing to give up my home protection for some nut job taking SSRIs. I'm not throwing out my constitutional rights to protect myself and my family because some nut job takes SSRIs and goes on a shooting spree. They'll have to pry the gun out of my cold, dead hands. And I'll tell you right now, I'm not alone. Well, Elizabeth Warren wants to try that, she'll have a civil war in her hands. There are probably 60 million armed people in this country who would not submit to an Elizabeth Warren gun grab. I can tell you that right now. The Westwood One Podcast Network. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. We are talking about a dark subject today, suicide. Uh, mainly amongst police. I tend to go to the mattresses in my brain, and I come back with uh, humor. And mankind has done this from the beginning of time until the genius scientist came up with drugs to uh, make them happy all the time. And man was not made to be happy all the time. It's a false notion that we're supposed to be happy all the time. So they made pills to make you think you're happy all the time. But you can't cheat nature. You can't cheat your own brain. You can't cheat your blood. And what happens is when these drugs don't work properly or you become immune to them, they become ineffective and the, res- the reverse happens. People sink into a despair and kill themselves or go into a homicidal rage. And uh, a woman in the last hour asked, how come if they use these drugs in Europe at the same rate they use them in America, they don't have as much violence? The answer is they don't use the depressants or the antidepressants, uh, as frequently as we do in this country. This country is the highest abuser of antidepressants in the world. Jim found this during the break. I wish I'd had it last hour. Listen to this. You're not going to believe it. The number of people per thousand who take antidepressants, far and away the U.S. is number one. 110 people per thousand are on antidepressants in this country. Do you realize how high that is? That's 11% of the population that we know of are using these dangerous psychotropic drugs. The highest in the world is in the United States. Now, look at Europe, for example. Uh, Pick France. She said France. France is 50 per 100,000. That's half our rate. Korea has the lowest global antidepressant use in the world, 13 per 100,000. It's not in their culture. Chile is at the bottom, 13 per 100,000 use antidepressants, and so forth and so on. A U.S. at the top again of 110 people per, per 
thousand, not hundred thousand, a hundred and ten people per thousand are taking these dangerous psychotropic drugs, and they're taking them like candy, with the doctors not saying one word about watch out for the warning signs of violent uh, or or um, suicidal ideations. So the West is doomed because of drug use, both legal and illegal, and ignorance, by the way. So we go to the next factor here on the Savage Nation, which is you and the callers, 855-407-282 is the phone number. I want to read you one page from my great book for the summer, A Savage Life, about death. I know it's, it's all throughout the book, by the way, in different ways. I've been a kind of guy who's always looked at the life that way. So this is about Sam, who makes a fortune in speculating and then loses it all. He is a book dealer who's a communist, and he makes a fortune on paper, and he suddenly becomes a capitalist in his mind. Suddenly he likes fancy cars. He Suddenly the shoes that go by in the streets that people are wearing don't look as threatening to him. He wants to get a pair. Then he loses it all, and he's dropped back to earth. And he goes back to his little commie bookstore in New York. And here's what he thinks. After the conscience came, the reasoning voice of his father said, Sam, maybe you would have made a couple hundred thousand over the years and built a new life. But where would you be if you lost everything then? Suicide? At least now you have the bookstore and a life for yourself. Sam continued to speculate on what might have been, coupled with images of King Midas in a room filled with gleaming gold. Coins came other images from his childhood. As a child, Sam had often wondered about nature and especially the complexity of the human body. His father initiated this wonder with many stories about the world of nature. In particular, Sam remembered his father telling him that men could not create a human in a laboratory. No matter how much they thought they knew, the sperm and the egg would be required. From that time onwards in his life, Sam wondered about the intricacies of the body. Not only about how much could go wrong and did not, but about such simple things as the infinite possibilities of motion in a human hand. Throughout his high school years and even into his years as a biology student in college, Sam would often drift off at his desk by gazing at his right hand, slowly moving his fingers through a maze of motion. He would marvel that even in an age of electronic miracles, among a species that was sending a projectile 91 million miles into space, accurately coming within a few miles of the planet Mercury, no one had yet been able to create a machine capable of duplicating all possible movements of their own hand. Once again, Sam inhabited his world of wonder. As a result of his loss, he ceased speculating for capital gains and began once again to wonder about those everyday occurrences that, in fact, are the only true capital of every man. I like that. It's in my book. I was a good writer in the 1980s. I don't know if I could write this way anymore. I honestly don't. You know, actually, certain, certain things change in your life. Many of these stories were from an earlier part of my life. Although I did not I did write a new one that's pretty good in there, Conversations with My Great-Grandfather. And I think they put in The Knockout, which is also a good one. Another new story, no. And I wrote some others that I haven't yet published that you'll soon see in the next year or two. A very famous literary publisher has discovered me. And he, he declared that I'm a great genius, equal to the great Russian authors. I know you don't want to hear it. I know you don't want to believe it because others in the media have knocked me so hard. But the fact is, you'll see and you decide for yourself. I, I like the writing. I think it's good. But let's get back to the serious garbage of suicide. It's terrible. I mean, I have had feelings of life isn't worth it in my life. And what do you do when you get those feelings? You don't reach for a pill. You run around the block. 
you take a mega dose of uh, ascorbic acid, vitamin C. The first thing you should do is reach for your powdered vitamin C, dissolve it in some water, and drink it. Do you know that ascorbic acid crosses the blood-brain barrier faster than heroin? Did you know that? I don't know if you know. I mean, these things are important little factotums of reality that I'd like to share with you because it could save a person's life. You say your mood has nothing to do with what you eat. You're 100% wrong. High doses of sugar, you know it spikes your blood sugar. You go up, you feel good. Then your blood sugar goes down and you get depressed. So sugar has a great deal to do with people who have mood swings. That's number one. Lack of certain B vitamins have a lot to do with uh, mood swings. Lack of certain minerals, microminerals like zinc have a lot to do with uh, mood swings, etc. These are things that I'm afraid have been lost to a medical science. They were known in the 70s and in the 80s, but they were wiped out by the medical establishment. Frankly, the medico-pharmaceutical establishment did not want you to know you can control a lot of your problems uh, with your with very inexpensive nutrients or, or diet. They want you to buy and take drugs, and we are a drug nation. Very important information that was learned uh, at, at great cost and then lost. There's so much I could go on about this stuff, but I guess I'm not going to. No one's interested in it. They're interested in Democrat, Republican. They're interested in uh, Trump evil, Trump good. I, I don't want to do it. I'm sorry. It's not what I do. It's not my stock and trade. Don't we have enough time for that near the election, like after Labor Day of the year that, that we vote? Do you think the average excuse me, Americans paying this much attention to the things that people in talk radio are talking about? I know they aren't. The average person's, it, it's summertime. What do you think people are doing with the last days of summer? They're enjoying it. You're not sitting there going, oh, Trump's going to win, not going to win. The communists going to win, not going to win. What did Pete uh, Butthead say? What did Elizabeth uh, Powell say? They don't care. They know it's hot air. How can you invest yourself in such dreck years before an election? It's, it's actually unnatural. And I think it's a product of a, of a warped mind in the media. I think the media is warping their own minds, or their own minds are warped, and they project it onto the people who are not interested in it. United States, 110 people per, per thousand take antidepressants. Australia, 89. Denmark, 85. Sweden, 79. UK, 71. Finland, 70. Spain, 64. Norway, 58. Slovenia, 50. Germany, 50 per thousand. France, 50. Czech Republic, 44, Italy, 42, Slovak Republic, 31, Hungary, 27, Estonia, 18 per thousand, and uh, Chile, 13, and Korea, the lowest antidepressant use amongst the countries that are polled. Go figure that one out. Go. F- Why do the Koreans not need antidepressants? They're threatened every minute with, with an existential annihilation by North Korea. And look, they use very little use of antidepressants in uh in Korea, because it's not in their culture to fetch about what's wrong, number one. They're very hardy people, but their diet is so superior to ours, it's not funny. Maybe you should eat a jar of kimchi when you feel depressed. Maybe that'll help you. It'll clean you out, that's for sure. Maybe that helps. Maybe people are so clogged up here with, with garbage in their guts that they're depressed. Go try it. Eat a bottle of kimchi, a hot kimchi, and see if it doesn't make you feel better. There are a lot of factors, cultural, diet, you name it. But uh, we're not going to talk about that. What are we going to talk about in this hour? Well, let's begin with a little sound here that I haven't played. Let's begin with a sound uh, montage that was put together by the guys, the geniuses who work on this show. Robert Borowski, roll of the drums. Jim Verde, roll of the drums. Doug Lynn, roll of the drums. Karen O'Toole, roll of the drums. 
They did a montage of Dems obsessing over whiteness that you just have to hear in clip number one. Let's hear it. One of the things about privilege, especially things like white privilege or male privilege, is that you don't think about it very much. Bigotry was written into our founding documents. Native Americans in our Declaration of Independence referred to as savages. In our Constitution, black people are fractions of human beings. You start getting politics that's based on, that person's not like me, and it must be their fault. And you start getting a politics based on a nationalism that's not pride in country, but hatred for somebody on the other side of the border. I think as a white woman of privilege, it is also my responsibility to lift over those voices that aren't being listened to. And I can talk to those white women in the suburbs that voted for Trump and explain to them what white privilege actually is. I try to check myself and make sure I I, I try to understand that, uh, you know, there's a media environment that that, uh, kind of pushes people into lanes, whether they comfortably fit there or not. Look at these stupid people. They're going to be president? This is going to be president? It's Trump by 85-15 if they keep this up. Nothing could stop Trump. These people are committed. It's a circle suicide game here. It's insanity. They expect to win the white middle class by attacking white people. Not everybody goes to Berkeley or Harvard where they're suicidal and hate themselves because their life is worthless. Do you understand that? No. Thank God that they don't. 855 Four hundred seven two eight two. Jason in Miami is calling about what I have no idea. Jason, what's on your mind? Well, first I want to just say how you doing, Savage. The only thing keeping me going right now is is your show, probably. You know, right, I, I'm the greatest I, antidepressant in the media. I know that. I've taken right now about within the hour. I've taken six six Ambien's, four Percocets, and three Talonapins. Oh come on! Are you kidding? You're on that much. You're on that many drugs. Yeah, I take it seven days a week, and that's only now. I mean, that's only. Wait, wait, stop! Please stop for a minute. Are you pulling my leg? You're on what right now? Savage. I called you about two years ago when I lived in San Francisco, and you said you were sending me in books. That was before my father had a heart attack and and died and everything like that. So I was, you know, I was a college. Why are you so depressed that you're on so many drugs? What's the matter? Well, I have a medical disorder. Now I developed it since my father passed away. And But what's but your I, medical disorder? It's called, I don't know if you heard, you know, it's a neurological, neurological problem called Tourette's Syndrome. And my, my neurologist told me to take four So you go down the street cursing people and you can't control it? No, 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 it's not the cursing. What it is is the grinding of the teeth, the biting of my lips. It's the shaking of my head. It's all, it's not violent. All right, so that is a neurological disorder, and you do need to take some variety of sedative for that, which controls it, correct? It, it doesn't really control it. What it does is, I used to take two at night and two in the morning. I was fine because I'm a phys ed teacher. But this new neurologist I got actually said, well, if it's... You know, I could use one of them right now. I have such a smashing migraine. Give me one of them. Wait a second. Let me just tell you something before you help me. I got a migraine in my right eye right now. I need to check into an emergency room. I don't want to take it, but what it does is it does stop my teeth from biting when I fall asleep. So oh, I- you mean while you're sleeping, you're biting your cheeks? No, I'm not. That The, the reason why I take the Klonopin and the Ambien and the Percocets and the opioid pill, which I just got another pill he added on, is because about a half an hour later, I'm sleeping for five or six hours. So I'm not grinding my teeth. I'm not shaking. I can't believe So what, you listen to this show online and it helps you a little bit to get through the day? Oh, no, I listen the whole time I'm at, at school. I'm a basketball coach. I'm an athletic director. I sound normal now. 
But let me, I got to indulge myself a minute. How do I keep you from going into further despair? Well, my father probably, I told you the last time I called, you were like my second father growing up. My father never missed the show. Oh, no, that's very sad and touching. I know that. Wait a second. He listened to you every day through. No, so in other words, by listening to me, you feel your your father's still alive. I got to run, man. But don't you dare commit suicide during the break. Savage. I was there when my city was t- in a terrible car accident and my cousins and I cried so she could have access to the best hospitals which were in Jerusalem. I remember shaking with fear when checkpoints appeared in the Oh, shut up and get the hater America. off my show. So she hates the Jews, but the only good hospitals are run by the Jews in Israel. You hear this? Are you people that stupid that you're buying the act of these fronts for the Muslim Brotherhood? and even more nefarious uh, organizations than those who would do away, not only with the Israeli way of life, but your way of life. Do you think that this T-Lab has sympathies for this nation? If you do, I disagree with you. She's an extremely dangerous person, and her and her friends need to be investigated, and in my opinion, investigated for sedition. Because they are engaging in sedition as I am sitting here. That is what they are. The Seditious Sisters. Do never call them the squad. I gave them a new name. The Seditious Sisters. Remember it. We know Donald Trump would love nothing more than to use this issue to pit. Muslims and Jewish Americans against each other. The Muslim community and the Jewish community are being othered and made into hell. the boogeyman dead, by this administration. You. Go to hell, you rat you. I, I don't understand this. How does Nancy Pelosi, who has a Jewish son-in-law and grandchildren who are part Jewish, how does she permit these Nazis to speak like this, representing a Democrat party. But the bigger question to me is how could any American Jew ever vote for a Democrat when they're basically take a shovel and dig your own grave. Take a shovel, dig your own grave, vote for a Democrat. I never heard anything like it. Joining us right now from Israel is Aaron Klein. Aaron, are you with us on the Savage Nation? Thanks for having me, Michael. Are you, are you in Israel right now? No, I'm actually in New York right now. I go back and forth. I'll be back in Israel in about two weeks. So you're the only one in the media who wrote the article about me on Breitbart, and it was an amazing article. The only one in the media, a major media uh, outlet that that ran it or was talking about it is Newsmax. Chris Ruddy, do you know that? Because the media doesn't want to point any of this out. They want to equate anyone who supports Trump on any level with an extremist. So if you're banned from the U.K., that feeds into that, even though the U.K. never justified the ban, even though the U.K. selectively took a few quotes here and there totally out of context. Um, It's absolutely, in fact, outrageous that they're sitting there, basically, they, the media, foaming at the mouth, um, advocating, really, for these rabid anti-Semites, and yet ignoring an American radio host who advocates for democracy, for freedom, uh, even though you were put on the list with 
uh, anti-Semites, neo-Nazis, uh, white supremacists. It's, it's, it's totally beyond the pale. But for this Omar, this just ungrateful immigrant, this ungrateful interloper into our nation, to gain so much power in the Democrat Party is almost... I can't even understand how Pelosi let this happen, Aaron. On a political level, how has Pelosi lost control of the Democrat Party, permitting the seditious sisters to become the voice of the party? I rename them not the squad, but the seditious sisters today, Aaron Klein. How do they How do they take over a party like this? Yeah, it's very easy. This is the new face of the Democrat Party because progressivism has always advocated for uh, radical Islamic extremists. They've always advocated for Marxists and socialists, but I guess before Trump, this was sort of um, uh, more quiet, Fabian-style socialism. Now they're coming out totally in the open, and if Pelosi, uh, who I I don't think Pelosi agrees with uh, 80% of what comes out of the mouths of Tlaib and Omar, but if she doesn't go at this, then the progressive base, which at this point I guess is the plurality of the Democrat base, they would, they would abandon Pelosi. They would throw her overboard, and she knows it. This is why you have 22, 23 Democrat candidates that get up there and raise their hands when they're asked about whether they would give free health care, essentially, to illegals. And most of the Democrat candidates support um, t- uh, decriminalizing crossing the border. Um, but to me, this is beyond the pale, because um, the media is sitting there and saying, well, it's it's unprecedented. We've never had an ally like Israel in this case ban two congresswomen. But actually, the whole thing is unprecedented. We've never had two congresswomen in the history of the United States uh, support anti-Semitism to this level. I mean, make no mistake about it. Israel did not ban um, Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar because simply because they're anti-Semites. Uh, actually. Israel allows anti-Semites to come in because there's freedom of speech. And, and, and by the way, I would hope some anti-Semites would go to Israel, visit the Holocaust Museum, and see the reality for themselves. The reason that they were banned is because they're beyond anti-Semites. Is because they support something that a lot of Americans really never heard of before or didn't understand. It's called the BDS movement, the boycott divestment and sanctions movement. Um, This is not just free speech. This is not just anti-Semitism. BDS is an economic uh, warfare, basically economic terrorism um, movement allied openly with terrorists that aims for one thing openly and one thing only, and that is the destruction of the Jewish state. These two women were coming and uh, not to learn... But, but Aaron, I have to interject here because I just started to smile as you were describing the boycott and divestiture movement. I've been in radio 25 years. Do you know that there are ad agencies in this country that have me and every other conservative talker in this country on boycott lists? They will not permit major advertisers to advertise on our shows. And that's because the ad agencies that run the radio business are run by radical leftists. And they have been doing so for well over 25 years. So this is nothing new to me. We survived despite the boycott, as Israel will survive despite the boycott. But the issue, I think, Aaron, is that you have open uh, revolutionaries who want to overthrow the state going in there. And to compare it to myself with England, I never espoused the overthrow of the English government. I've only lauded the English people and the English government. And yet I was banned for saying something along the lines of, 
if radical Islamists got control of a nuclear device and they threatened to kill, I don't know, I think I said 100 million or a million people, I said, who would you rather see die, a million of our people or a million of their people? That was one of the things I said. It was a hypothetical discussion, Aaron. And for that reason, Gordon Brown, the then prime minister, decided to destroy my life by not permitting me to enter the uh, the nation. And I, this is going on for 10 years. I'm praying that the president steps in and does something. You know, the president of the United States has no power over England. We know that. But he did pardon Sheriff Joe, didn't he? Yeah. Um, I, first of all, you know, the quote there, um, Dan, was selectively taken out of context. And all you hear instead is that just Michael Savage, the extremist radio host, uh, quote unquote, advocates for the murder of 100 million Muslims. This is what the media does today. But, you know, I would hope that the Trump administration would pay careful attention to your plate. And I also look now at the rise of Boris Johnson in the U.K., uh, I would say that there's probably like a 40, 50 percent chance even of new elections when Parliament returns in, in just a few weeks in the U.K. Uh, and, and Boris Johnson probably will do very well. I think um, he, he, of all people, should understand um, the plight of free speech and your plight. But Aaron, how is England ever going to come back as England when they are so flooded with all of those uh, clad costumes running around their nation? You know and I know that the burqa is an affront to Western civilization. It really is not even part of the Quran. Perhaps you're as educated as I am on the subject. Would you please elucidate for this radio audience uh, when the burqa was introduced into, uh, and I would say, Arab customs? It's not part of Islam. It's not even in the, in the Quran, so far as I know. Am I wrong on that? There's so much that, by the way, not in the Quran that suddenly comes out. Like, Jerusalem is never mentioned once in the Quran, uh, and... and it, it, I think that it, the U.K. has a major problem on its hands. Um, but, yeah, th- th- this doesn't specifically come. It's like a minority interpretation that came a lot later. Uh, there's no evidence at all um, that the burqa specifically, you did have, I believe, some face veils, but not to the point of uh, burqas in, in Islamic tradition. And I've been personally on the streets of the U.K. many years ago, uh, where I would see protests calling for the downfall of the Queen, um, o- openly calling for the uh, uh, support of for Hezbollah, for Hamas, uh, and yet uh, the protests were actually protected by the police. That was like a decade ago. Wasn't that the, the preacher from the Finsbury Mosque who was calling for the death of the Queen? The, uh, uh, two of them actually from the Finsbury Mosque actually went in there and infiltrated like a decade or two ago. Um, and it's these are some of the people who are now in the leadership of like the UK Muslim community. It's, it's honestly scary. Um, that What's going to happen when the Muslims gain total control of England and they have their hands on nuclear weapons? I think we're talking about like a, a smaller percentage, like 20, 25 percent. Um, still, it's the, the issue here is, you know, Mohammed is the number one baby boy name, of course, in, in the UK and in London. And if Muslims want to come in, that's fine. If they would adopt Western civilization, it's totally fine. The problem is the opposite. You look at the polls and this is very scary when a significant portion of the UK Muslim community sides with Hamas. Uh, well, let's talk about Tommy Robinson. Tommy Robinson understands as a British nationalist the dangers of Islam in his nation. 
And for that, he is in prison in England. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, that is, that, that's one of many examples of um, people speaking out. Uh, I personally once went in to do an interview uh, with uh, British parliamentarian George Galloway, and because during the interview I asked him whether uh, Hamas was a terrorist group, he actually had me detained. That this is their mentality. <laughs> is zero. I'm not kidding. This actually happened. It was, Wait, with, with who? Which one was that? He's no longer there, is he? That bum? No, he's no longer George Galloway, a total lunatic. You walk in, he's got like. Well, where is he now? I, I think he's like a talk radio host, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but very it, funny. I'm sure he has a very popular podcast. Yeah. Okay, so Aaron, wait. I want to go back. You write an article for Breitbart, which I thank you for. Uh, Assalam to you. Exclusive. Michael Savage slams media silence over his UK ban amid Omar and T Lab uproar. Beautiful article, not linked anywhere. Why is it that even the conservative media refuses to run that story, Aaron? You know everyone in the media. Let's not name names. Some of them are our friends. Why are they avoiding the story? Yeah, I mean, we're not going to name any names. I just think that in the conservative media, unfortunately, sometimes um, there's, let's just say, some jealousy here and there. Um, people are very territorial, and you're known to be so independent that I think some people in the conservative media uh, don't like that. And then the, the larger media, it simply doesn't fit their agenda. They don't want to tell this story because they don't want to bring attention to your plate. They need independent ideas to be shut down that's why right. you're banned well, look, i want to recommend people go and see the article that aaron wrote aaron klein of breitbart and i want to by the way aaron not only want to thank you personally for seeing the linkage here between uh, omar and tlab being banned from israel and how it has nothing to do with me being banned from england they're not for the same reasons at all they're for opposite reasons i want to thank everyone at breitbart for still holding up the statue of liberty and the, 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 just the beautiful work that you guys do over there. And I don't understand how the others in the media, even though they may be jealous of me or see themselves as my competitors, do not understand that if they're banning me today, they could ban them tomorrow. How they don't understand the bigger picture. But then again, the world is a very strange place. Again, Aaron Klein, I want to thank you again for writing the article on Breitbart uh, and for being here today on the Savage Nation radio show. Thanks, Aaron. Savage. It's not about asking whether Trump voters are racist. We need to talk about racism, mm. not racists. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Racists, it's a very two-dimensional, boring conversation. Mm -hmm. Is something mm -hmm. racist? Yes or no. And then you debate it. What do you it. do, right. what do, you what do, you do about do? that? We need to talk about racism, its oh. contours, its histories, oh, where its it contours. manifests, how it's oh. used. Because like all winning political phenomena, whether they're good or bad in your opinion, they rely on coalition building. Oh. So Trump relied on a coalition and a core part of that coalition were racists. Drop yeah. dead. Building a Drop coalition. dead, you dumb bart. Shut. I'm so tired of being called a racist. You know, I was just speaking to the guys about this sickness, the illness of racism that is inherent now in the, in the seditious sisters. They are the naked racists that they talk about. You know that. They are the naked racists. They hate Jews. They hate Americans. They hate patriots. They hate white people. If that's not what racism is, tell me what it is. So I said to Robert about this stuff, the producer there, Robert Borowski, 
And he said, I could never be a racist because I hate everyone. So I said, you know, Robert, you ought to create a group called MIA, Misanthropes of America, or Misanthropes in America. I said, the problem is nobody would ever get together with each other because they all hate each other. But it would be an interesting group to create. We all got a kick out of that. Misanthropes in America. Robert's creating such an organization. However, no one will ever join or, or ever get together because they all hate each other. So well, what are you going to do? That'd be a great group, Robert, misanthropes in America, because no one will ever come to a meeting. No dues. <laughs> no speakers. <laughs> Unbelievable. You know, you got to laugh at these stupid women. These are stupid, evil, racist women. How they get away with it is a product of the idiots in the media like Anderson Cooper, who has to be next to Don Lemon amongst the stupidest man on the planet. You know, Anderson Cooper's a nice-looking young guy, but stupid, something's missing between the ears. He's just dumb. Do I have to say anything about poor Don Lemon? He makes Frito look like Hercules. Mentally, mentally, Don Lemon makes Frito in The Godfather look like, like a mental Hercules. So what are we going to do when we have people throwing the word racism around in a crowded nation that's on fire? You've got guns going off from people who actually are racists because of people like Omar, in my estimation, people like Anderson Cooper, people on CNN who continuously provoke white people on the bottom of the social ladder who are marginal, who are depressed, who are humiliated on a daily basis. And when you call them Names like this over and over again, and you say to them, you're a racist, you're a racist, you're a racist. Whites are dirty, whites are ugly, whites are no good. What do you think a person is going to do who is on drugs and armed to the teeth? Tell me what you think he's going to do. You think you're going to make him better, Miss Omar? Why don't you go back to that filthy country that you came from, is what people said to you. You know why? You know, I don't understand the Muslim community in this country, how they let this woman hijack their religion like this how has she become the number one muslim in america can you explain that to me how have these two haters permitted how has the muslim community permitted these two haters to become the face of islam in america it is the single worst piece of public relations the muslims could have ever ever imagined to have happened to them they spent 20 years bamboozling America into saying they're not like these two, but in fact these two exemplify everything that is wrong with immigration, asylum, and Islam. The Westwood One Podcast Network.